Recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it, it on. on. We're going. We're going right into it. All right. Bing, bing, bing. Mr. Peters, how are you today? I'm fantastic. It's weird. I'm not wearing headphones. Me neither. I don't like that. I can't hear my own voice like reverberating in my head. I feel naked. <laughs> Do you want to? <laughs> I have a pair of headphones you can use as dummies. No, no. Okay. Then you won't hear yourself. Uh, technical difficulties in the studio today, but we are uh, still here and still recording. We didn't change the room around, so every time I change something, something breaks. That's life. But it's improvement, and it's it's fantastic, and this is this is amazing. So I'm just happy. I like round tables. I feel it like reminds me of um, our recording at Radical when we first started. Yeah. On a shoestring. On a shoestring. My gosh. I lost a couple of recordings in there because I, <laughs> I made some mistakes. I'm sorry, guys. There's some good ones that we don't have anymore. Oh, right. There's we got to redo one. the Hero's Journey. Didn't we, didn't we screw that one up? No, I think we, we, we have we it, right? One? Yeah, yeah. No, it was one we um, – there was one we did because we, we did two in a row and we yeah. lost the second, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I can't remember what they were. but And then there's another one uh, that I recorded with Jilson. Yeah. That is is still up there, but it doesn't sound great. Oh, okay. And he wants to do it over again, so okay. we'll get him in again to fix that one. But other than that, but you know, no you know, complaints. if it's a Jilson podcast, it's going to be like three hours. That's true. <laughs> well, we have strict timelines. You, you get to get out, and you know, I know time. he's listening, so it's going to be funny. He's going to get me to that one. Well, we got to get him back in here um, soon. Big information guy. Fantastic. So um, big, big weekend. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, a lot of heavyweight fights. Yeah. Then there was two UFCs this weekend. So there's the <gasps> Ultimate Fighter finale on Friday. Oh, I didn't watch that one. And I did. And it was uh, it was um, uh, the main event was actually like pretty freaking good. Um, the rest was you know it was fun. But um, um, then there was that, and then there was the uh, Dos Santos versus Tuivasa uh, card, and it was like like talk about. Old school versus new school. People coming out of the woodwork for the old guys that you know you used to see fifteen years ago fighting yeah. there up there on this card. There are three old guys in the main card. Yeah. Did you see what I posted? Uh, um, by the way, speaking of old guys, you know we talked about Chuck Liddell in the last podcast. Did you see what I posted his um, on uh, on the Facebook page? I'm not on Facebook. Okay, hmm. so I think it goes right. You know, I should push the button to make it go to Instagram. I don't think I did that, but but it's it's uh, so what. Um, what uh, Chuck Liddell did was after his disastrous loss to Tito, he posted uh, an explanation of why he went back to the martial arts. And it was very heartfelt. And it really made me change the way I, I, I looked at it. Mm. I, I really don't think he should be fighting professionally, but I understand why he did it. And it, it seemed less ego, but he was saying that how martial arts was his lifestyle and it always put him in balance. And, you know, without without the the... the the, the the will to put himself out there and compete and try to strive for his best, he just doesn't think that he he was in the right frame of mind. So it was a real personal journey for him, a test mm-hmm. of his character and his um, a warrior spirit. And you know, I, I I I do respect that. That being said, I don't think fighting Tito at the highest level of MMA is just smart for you anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. you should you know find something else. But um, there's got to be something else he can do. Yeah. He teach? Does he teach? I don't think he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would probably yeah. help a lot. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting, and it, it was a very yeah. heartfelt video, and I really feel with him because I'm I'm of a similar age than he is, and um, you know, you when you feel your the 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 sunset, you know, on your on your martial 
path, or I should say your, your competitive martial path, you have to find a way to redefine yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like you said, teaching is what it does for me. I always enjoy teaching, though. But um, there are also different venues you can compete in. And Anderson Silva actually... You know, he was about to get cut from the UFC at one point, and he said that he would try out for Taekwondo in the Olympics. So he'd huh. go, he'd go back to amateur, but they wouldn't let him because oh. he was already pro. But I think you can, you can. Um, there's a lot of examples of people in certain sports transitioning to others. There's a there's a, a famous judoka who competes in the BJJ world now. Um, there's uh, also a number of famous wrestlers uh, who are in the BJJ world now uh, and the uh, grappling submission grappling world, mm-hmm. uh, MMA fighters as well. So Dean Lister just had um, and Frank Muir had they had a, a, a grappling match and they're both kind of retired. So it's good they don't have brain trauma, but they can still kind of train hard and, yeah. and work. You know, there's a lot so, of places. So for I think you have to find a way, an outlet for that competitive spirit. And the issue is is this: it's like martial arts should not be for just guys between 20 and 30 years old mm-hmm. um it's a it's a path for all of us so how can you train sustainably and 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 compete uh at, at a level appropriate for your age group and and for your body's ability to handle that punishment you know do you, think, do you think he's the type of person that would be upset if there was like so many rules like you can't hit people in the head or stuff like that yeah, like totally. He just wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, like, he he'd be like, oh, that. "Oh, that pussy shit." Right, exactly. Right, I totally right. am. But, but you know, I'm, I, a lot of people, I, I haven't talked about this too much on, but a little bit. We in the last podcast was this. We talked about Master Azuma in Japan, and this is to all the martial art listeners who are interested in maybe testing themselves in MMA, but maybe they're in their fifties. Maybe, you know, they have no design on a, a real run in MMA, but they would like to to step themselves in the ring. And Master Azuma created a, a sport called Kudo. And Ku is the first letter, the first character of karate, which means empty. And Do is the last letter of karate, which means way. So it's like empty hand way, right? Um, and it's, he's originally a karate guy. But uh, I, I mentioned him in my last podcast. He did judo, was kicked out of the Kyokushin karate uh, for mixing. But he has this sport where you – it's basically MMA in a gi. It's uh, full contact. But they wear specially designed headgear which has a uh, Lexan bulletproof bubble over their face. So it really prevents a lot of uh, brain damage. Also, they don't wear any gloves, which sounds – any boxing gloves or anything like that, MMA gloves. Right now they're wearing these kind of small gloves but just to make sure they don't break their knuckles. But, but um, very, very small, really, really small, almost like tape. And um, so they can't punch as hard as a boxer – or an MMA fighter has a, a little, even a larger glove than, than what they do. So you're dealing with a, a, a much less brain trauma, and it's still MMA rules. Mm-hmm. They have some restrictions on how long you can be on the ground, but uh, also with the gi, it does slow the game down. And most importantly, he has age brackets. So mm-hmm. if, you go, if you're 50 years old, you fight in the 50-year-old age bracket. So you're going to fight someone in your peer group in your age group and your experience level, and you can test yourself, and it's a great way, and you can walk off of that without having to worry about like significant brain damage. So it's a great sport to to um, to think about if you you know want to test yourself in MMA, but obviously don't have designs of going to the UFC or anything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, unfortunately, it's not so popular in America. But um, I know one of my friends; he lives in LA now. 
and he was trying to organize. I think he organized one, but he organized a tournament in, in L.A. Uh, a few years ago, and he's trying to get it off uh, around. He's Japanese, and he has connections to the Master Azuma. And, he, and I, I'm hoping that tournament takes re- real hold in America because it's a great opportunity for civilians, you know, non-pros, to test themselves in, in a venue which is very safe and also realistic. And the same thing with combat jiu-jitsu, which I always talk about. You know, it's basically slapping to the face and grappling. So it's very real, but at the same time, pretty safe. Mm-hmm. So, um, That's those awesome. Are, yeah, those are, those are venues where you can compete. Come on, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Look them up. Yeah, I know, right. So uh, the Olympics does not allow professional athletes to participate. Well, they kind of do. Because I was like, professional basketball players have been playing – Right. In the Olympics for decades. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm not an expert on this, but I know originally if you're a pro, you could never go to the Olympics. That was like in yeah. the 70s. And then they changed it. Because they wanted b- to win. I believe it was the first one they changed was for basketball. Probably. And mm-hmm. then it became tennis. So the pro people on the t- pro tennis circuit also go to the Olympics. Um, but it each sport's individual association makes the kind of rule set. Uh, of who they're going to allow and who they're not. And uh, the Taekwondo uh, Association would not allow uh, Anderson Silva to compete for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So uh, I don't know what the if it was an Olympic bylaw or if it was a, a so the Taekwondo Association itself only, but um, they were like, you know, you're, you're a pro and uh, you're a combat athlete pro. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's a very different sport. I actually don't know. I wonder how well he would do. He would probably do well because he's a good kicker, but it's it's different, you know? Taekwondo is a very different sport. I think that's interesting because with people that are amateurs and in the Olympics, then they are hesitant to do anything professionally. Oh, absolutely. That's very different because how do you <laughs> – an amateur fighter, it's hard to make money, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because uh, – and this is this is a really interesting topic. Is that what is your martial arts journey when you're over the hill? And it, and it keys into this last UFC where you got a lot of old timers coming in. What you, what is your martial art journey over because you're 45 or 55? No, absolutely not. And is your competitive martial art journey over? Well, you know what? If your if your um, sport allows age brackets, different age brackets, there's always a place for you. You know, there's in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, there's a masters division. Which is, you know, there's like, I think it's like 45 and over, and then there's uh, 52 and over. I'm, I'm not exactly sure of the years. And then, you know, depending on your age, you're competing in your age bracket. And um, my friend uh, just actually won a, won a, in his age bracket, his Masters won, and he won at Brown Belt in his uh, gold in, in his age bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's in his 40s. And, uh, you know, so it was a, a very appropriate com- competition level for him. And that's wonderful that you can still be competitive. And he was telling me, he's like, it's great because I have this competition coming up, so I watch what I eat, I really train hard, and it, and it impacts my health in a positive way. And I was like, that that's wonderful, you know? And and, and he, I'm just so proud of him. I actually Skyped with him this morning and was exp- going over some technique with him. Um, obviously, he doesn't need any technical help from me, but but he was just curious to exchange positions. But he he's a real inspiration. I'm like, wow, you know, he is out there competing. And MMA should kind of have the same thing. I, I believe we should have a something like Kudo where, where you have the ability to compete at a high level of realism but still ma- manage the damage. 
and uh, and and uh, without losing the realism. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, if you go to Ten Thousand Rules and it becomes Point Karate mm-hmm. or Point Taekwondo, then it's, need, that's not MMA. We need anymore. real steel. We need real steel robots. Yeah. Exactly, Hugh Jackman and robots. You know, you know, we've mentioned real steel in a lot of podcasts. Wow, <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it comes a great a movie. <laughs> You know, you know, I, I enjoyed it. it, was, it, was, it was <laughs> I've good. actually never seen it. You've never seen it, no. No. but I remember the trailers. I know enough about it to know. Enough I think about if you've it. seen the trailers, yeah. you've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but at what point? It's not really a surprising movie. Do you think there's ever going to be a point where, like, not real steel because that's stupid, but like uh, virtual fighting is a thing? That's you know, okay, that is something that I'm really interested in. Okay, so this is what I'm going to tell you about. Not not necessarily virtual competition, although, yeah, for sure it'll be real. But, okay, so you're in the ring training uh, at your dojo and or academy, boxing gym, whatever. And, again, you know, brain trauma is a very serious thing. So you're putting in the rounds and sparring with another partner who's trying to kill you. Now, imagine if you did that with in a virtual where you just got a, 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 a sting – you know, an electric stimulation sting to show you got hit. Mm-hmm. But you could do, instead of doing all your rounds where you're actually getting hit, do 50%, 100% sparring. Like you're really trying to hit him. But instead of getting brain damage, you just get a little neurological, you know, uh, yeah, uh, notice. Yeah, some sort of feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and then you lose, like the way you play a video game. And to, to really impose, so you're in some sort of virtual world. And, and, and if it worked exactly in the speed of your movement, yeah. uh, the way, way I thought of it is, do you know the Wii where you the, mm-hmm. the wave the wand? And I was playing that, and it does have a boxing game, but it's 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 silly because it doesn't react to, to your movement in a complex way. Yeah. But even still, I'm like, wow, this you know, a hundred years or not even hundred, probably ten. This would be a really good training tool. Do you remember yeah. um, like the shooting games, like the Metal Gear and all those? Not Metal. I Gear, never like played the, them, but yeah, yeah. The first person shooter games. Yeah. Doom they were trying that. to make it so realistic, and so they have uh, the virtual reality headsets, and they have the virtual guns, and then they have like these treadmills that are 360 treadmills. So you're like walking, and oh, you can turn around yeah, 360. Yeah. Wow. They also have a uh, suit that provides feedback of gunshots. So if you get shot, it hits you. Oh wow! And not obviously, not, obviously the, yeah, yeah, not right, a bullet. Right. No, but no, you but feel, feel like you got hit. Right, something right, exactly. hit you. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you something. This this sounds like. Um, like this is fantasy, but uh, the U.S. Army has said that in terms of physical conditioning, the, the, the recruits that they have now are the lowest they've ever been because they're mm-hmm. all sitting playing video games. But in terms of hand-eye coordination and oh, accuracy in shooting, they're the highest they've ever been. <laughs> so you're getting guys who are shooters uh, who basically have trained themselves as young and their hand-eye coordination, their recognition of targets – is incredibly high because it is experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't really play these video games because they're just too chaotic. Mm-hmm. But imagine – have you ever you played some of the new ones that they're, they're really – there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's very hyper-stimulated. If you can pick out your target in that hyper-stimulated environment, hit it, even, even through a virtual world, obviously you're developing some serious skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, uh, I, I've heard that especially with drone pilots – Oh, yeah. They recruit that's a, that's these guys, like, cre- yeah. right? They were just basically a video game. You so know? they do the pilot training virtually, and it's pretty high intense right now. Yeah. Obviously, with drones, drones yeah. and everything like that, There's, they got to be trying to develop some way to do hand to hand training. Um, uh, yeah, they're, 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 the military is doing ama- something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, we'll you know, but like we years. said, hand to hand combat is not a priority for for the, the military. 
you know, it's it's gunfighting and and things like 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 the 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 on the the U.S. Army's list of skill development, wrestling and boxing is the lowest of the low, you know. So, but but I, I would like to see DARPA, one of those organizations, yeah. develop some kind. Well, of when the EMP goes off and we're all screwed, we need to be able to fight each other with knives and and hands. And that's coming. <laughs> Eddie Bravo told me. Yeah. We're going to fall off the, I don't, the flat earth. Yeah, I'm going to derail this entire conversation. So there were fights this weekend. There were. Um, Mark Hunt fought. Right. And hope, I, almost, I almost said hopefully. Maybe for the last time. Um, no. He, he, well, you know, he kind of had that fine. Did you see his speech afterwards? Yeah. Where he's like, I hope you'll see me in another place. You know, meaning I think his contract is up. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Going to UFC, Bellator. Yeah, maybe the <laughs> UFC won't hire him again. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but his entire team just got shellacked that night. Yeah. So, you know, the team juggernaut. Yeah, Australia had a bad night. They had a bad <laughs> night. But, uh, well, I wouldn't say Australia. I would say that team because yeah. it was really, you know, the heavyweight bruiser team. Yeah. And um, But it was it was, a, it was an interesting card of fights. Um, 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 there, was, there was a really good fight between uh, Matthews and Martin. And there was some two, two – uh, this is two BJJ black belts. And, and they were really, really, really good – uh, in, in all elements of the game, and there was one by uh, Anaconda. Hunt versus Justin Wells was a joke. It was just big boy crap striking, and it was just it was just not a not a great fight. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was Shogun versus Tyson Pedro. Like, I didn't even I yeah. I didn't, I didn't know, know Shogun was fighting still. When I when <laughs> I was know, watching, right? I was like, I probably should have known this, but uh, like, what are you where? <laughs> I, I don't know where he came from. So, He's yeah. been gone for a long time, hasn't he? At least in the UFC, I haven't seen him fight no, in a while. He fought. Um, he fought. Well, I know he fought. Um, uh, shoot, I forgot. But he he fought in the in the middleweight. Was like uh, Dan Henderson or something or Bisping. I forgot who it was. Oh, where's your record? Yeah. But um, but he's he's been around here and there. Um, oh, earlier this year, July twenty yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. Anthony yeah. Smith. Yeah, Anthony Smith. And Smith just dropped him like yeah, it was lost. nothing, right? And yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that. And then before that, he fought Bisping, was it? Uh, Gian Vilente. Uh, uh, Gian Vilente. And who, who before that? Corey Anderson. Oh, and he just lost all of them, right? When he won those last two. Oh, no kidding. Lost against Nagura. Oh, no, he beat Nagura. Yeah. And then he lost against Owen Spank Prue. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and Dan Henderson beat him. Dan Henderson, <laughs> right? That's the one I was thinking of. Dan Henderson, right? But, um, but you know, Shogun did not look like great. But he, in the beginning, he was just really getting outstruck, and he was slower, and he was getting rocked. But then, you know, he's so smart. He 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 just took it to grappling. And this guy Tyson Pedro. This is the thing about the UFC today, and and it's. A lot of guys are are not high caliber in multiple skill divisions, especially as they come in. And Tyson Pedro's he's a good striker. But he has not a lot of grappling, just not a lot. And uh, Shogun dominated in the grappling first. He so you know the first round started really tough for him, but then he dominated with the grappling. Then he tired Tyson Pedro out because Tyson Pedro's like this guy's just lying on top of me and smothering me. Mm-hmm. And then you know when you have a striker, but you get tired, you just don't have that same snap. And then, um, then, um, then Shogun was like, "Okay, you're slower now. Now I can take you." And he dropped him with an overhand counter in the third, and got went to the ground and just just uh, ground and pounded him. And the guy didn't even understand how to get up. And then <laughs> fought. And then, um, and uh, then there was that. There was it was just interesting, you know, like taking like when you're 
again, we talked about being an older guy in the game. Grappling is very forgiving of you losing your hand speed and your, you know, your uh, your 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 youthful athleticism. You know, look at look at how long Randy Couture's career was. He was very long career, and part of the reason that Dan Henderson, we were just talking about it, is because. You know, as a grappler, you take less damage. But also, once you lock in tight, you don't have to be as explosive, particularly if you put the guy on his back. Mm -hmm. Then he cannot engage his the, the tremendous explosivity of his of his legs and core muscles. So if you're pinning a guy on the on the bottom, you know, mount or somewhere back back control, you know, he, his legs are not something you have to really worry about. And so you can take your time and, and be an anaconda rather than a viper. And, you know, Shogun for a lot of this fight was an anaconda just on top of him, laying on top of him, just picking him off with these short elbows, very short, but over and over again. And um, and it was, uh, it was um, you know, a, a real smart way to take the fight. And then, okay, so that was that was Shogun's. He's still in the game. That was really cool. Um, I, I thought maybe he should retire. And I don't know. You know, he didn't look so great in the striking, but he managed to get a win. So good for him. Um Tuivasa versus Dos Santos. Again, Tuivasa is very, 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 very talented striker in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. One, not a lot of ring experience. So he he got he was blasting Dos Santos and he got way overconfident. Started chasing him with these big overhands. And you know, people say, oh, like MMA is not street fighting. Well, I want to talk about this sometime, but be like, oh, MMA is not street fighting. Man, you look at this guy, that was a street fight move right there. Just yeah. like Big haymaker overhands coming over the top, just craziness. He said that after he was like, "I'm just street fighter." So yeah, but street, yeah, yeah. He, he even says his style is street fighting. Yeah. I mean, he's more technical than that, but but that what he was doing was total street fighting. Just the guy is huge with tremendous power, and he's coming at him like a freight truck train. Mm -hmm. You know, just coming at him like you know out of control freight train. And um, uh, then. Dos Santos did uh, a really good underhook uh, on him, got his head underneath him. Some people call this the, the AK position where your head is kind of underneath him. And um, JDS just, again, just um, manages to, to use the AK position. And um, uh, although Tuivasa did too, you know, it, they both had some good exchanges in the ground and uh, the gra grappling, but he was too wild. And um, the minute went to the ground, you could see that Tuivasa had absolutely no clue what to do mm. when he was on his back. Like, none. Like, zero. Like, absolutely nothing. I was nothing. surprised that he didn't stop it yeah. sooner. Did you see Did you see Tuivasa okay. trying to punch his way out of the mount at the bottom? <laughs> I'm like, what is this, UFC 1? You know, you know. I was glad Fred they didn't stop it. Fred, you know, Fred Edish is calling Tuivasa. He wants his guard game back. <laughs> you know, like, you remember Fred Edish? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like dude, this was terrible. And uh, and and Dos Santos is mounting. He's like, "Oh wow, you're an idiot!" Yeah. And I'm just going to tee off on you, right? And they should have stopped it, and they, yeah. they eventually did. But you know, um, it was it was just terrible. But um, I was watching the post press conference, and uh, <laughs> he does not like Justin Willis, and Justin Willis right. does not like him. Really, I don't know, have no idea what happened. Like, I, yeah, I'd yeah. never really even heard of Justin Willis until <laughs> this event, and now yeah. I'm like googling him because I'm like, what is this he, guy about? He trains at AKA, and he does not impress me at all. But yeah. he has managed to put together some wins, so you know, good Look, for him, I he, guess. He wants Junior next, I guess. So I don't know, but they they really hate each other. Like they almost got into it after the fight. <sighs> it's like, and then two of us is like 
trying to get Willis to fight him. Like, well, you lost. And Willis is like, you lost. I'm not fighting you. You lost. Yeah, right. I don't want to fight a loser. Yeah, right. No. It's interesting. I don't know much about Justin Willis, but he, he uh, had some good points to make it after the press conference. What did he say? Uh, he was just talking about how he he really respects Mark Hunt and uh, thankful that he got the opportunity to fight him. And then uh, he says, uh, they said, what are you going to do to celebrate? He said, well, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Uh, I'm going to go watch my uh, fight film and, and learn how to get better. Well, good for so, him, man. That's, that's the attitude right there. Yeah. Um, uh, those were not technically interesting fights. Yeah, me. slobber knockers for sure. Yeah, just, just not. Those were my kind of fights. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but did you even enjoy like if two bosses mount? Like, it, I don't know. I mean, I like watching people get punched in the face. So I'm not mad about that. <laughs> you know, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> but you didn't get a chance to see Usman dos Santos on Friday. Now that was a good no, fight. I didn't see that. Holy shit, that was a really good fight. And you know, I have to say, Usman, you know, he won the Ultimate Fighter, and I was like, uh, it was the Ultimate Fighter it was um. Team, uh, it was uh, Black Zillions, which is since you yeah, who know, was the uh, coaches? Uh, it was the Black Zillions versus the um, American Top Team. So it was all the American Top Team coaches versus all the Black Zillion coaches. So it was actually on the American Top Team side. It was uh, it was um, um, uh, Laborio and a few other guys, and it was basically their their general coaching staff. So and it was the owners, the two owners who hated. One has since died, but um, and Black Zillions has has. Um, has been uh, uh, has gone disbanded, uh, disbanded. and now yeah. it's a uh, hard knock hard knocks 360 but it's basically run by anthony hardong and um and uh um so you know when kamaru usman wound up winning that that show and i was like man you know he's pretty good you know but he didn't impress me the guy has come a long way and he he was he just took uh, dos santos dos santos apart and uh, this is, you know, I don't think Dos Santos should be fighting at 175, 170. He should really go back to 155. Mm. Usman was just too strong. But also that he, Usman's, you know, takedown, this is like, you know, American Khabib. You know, he just yeah. out-wrestled him, but with much better striking. And um, he he is something else, man. This is, this is something else. And one thing I was really interested in, if you get a chance to see the fight, try and see the fight. Oh. Usman is something I really like is in his clinch he was not just thumping the guy going for wrestling against the cage he wasn't he was really creative with his clinch striking so he stomps on the guy's foot he loves the shoulder punch where you cock your shoulder back and punch it right into the guy's throat or into his shoulder so you come and shoulder punch him then he'd stomp him he'd knee his knee he, he was really creative with the strikes and what was very interesting, he kept backing Dos Santos away towards the cage, which, you know, this is a problem because Dos Santos just allowed that to happen. He just kept thinking the cage behind his back would be a good thing, which mm-hmm. it was not. And he was just dumped. He got dumped over and over again. Um, there was 11 takedowns in that fight, and I think uh, the successful takedowns, I think it was like Uzman was almost 90, 90% success rate for all uh-huh. the takedowns, you know. And he tried like 12 and, you know, got 11 or something, right? Um but Usman would corral Dos Santos with a really good stiff jab. I mean, the guy has developed a great jab. It's like a like a little like spear coming out. And then and that huge boom, boom, you corral him, put him against the cage, and then when he got against the cage, like I said, he was clinched. It was really, really, really creative stuff. So he'd he'd shoulder punch him, he'd stop him, he would hit him with a lot of kidney shots. And what he would do is he'd get this um uh, uppercut. And I, I mean, if you look at statistically, a lot of people are understanding the uppercut from the clinch, from tight clinch, wrestling clinch, is a 
Schofner. You know what I'm saying? The Romeo Romero. He's dropped guys for like that. And he just hit that uppercut to the body and uppercut to the face, uh, Usman, and he just picked Dos Santos apart. And wow. he had this interesting middle distance where he would kind of back away from the cage, hit him, and then go back to the cage. Kind of back away. It was like not clinch, but not distance either. It was this like almost like a boxing distance where he was like, okay, I can, I'm going to disengage a little, but not enough for you to get away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you and go back in. And um, it was it was just... It was just a great fight. It was a really, really good fight. Wow. Really interesting technically. And and uh, Dos Santos, even though he got taken down, he used a really good guard work courtesy of his uh, uh, of, uh, of of his instructor, Cordo, who's a half-guard master. But, you know, he just he just couldn't make it happen uh, with a guy who had such dominant wrestling mm-hmm. and dominant strikes. In, in two elements uh, of the fight, he was outclassed. And... Usman's no slouch on the ground. Obviously, he knew what the guy was going for. Would not let him get any control. Yeah. So that was that. It was it was a really interesting, interesting fight um, to see creative clinch work, creative clinch. I was I was I enjoyed it. Unlike the other two, which is just like big boy crap striking. Not crap, but you know whatever. It wasn't my thing. Was that the only good fight on the, the no, whole there, thing? They, they, you know, yeah, it was there were some other fights, but um, the the Ultimate Fighter winners, the two fights, they were okay. They were okay. This was, I'd say, this is the last Ultimate Fighter season. They're, they've canceled the show because you know Fox is out now. Yeah, ESPN, and it's ESPN, and I don't think they're doing the same thing on ESPN. They're going to switch over maybe to the Contender Show now, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, this last season was. Um, it wasn't the best, technically speaking. The guy who won the the guy who won uh, the heavyweights, the heavy, the the that there was two. There was a female title and a male title. Uh, he's actually pretty good, but his opponent was n- just no, not even his remote yeah, class. Juan yeah, Dipia. yeah, yeah, right. He's a, yeah, he's a Spanish guy, Espinosa Padilla, something like that. Yeah, and then there, they, he was just way outclassing his opponent. They, were, they they shouldn't even been in the same cage together. Just two different fighters. Yeah, round one, it was over. Yeah, it was just it was instant. And then uh, the two female fighters were, you know, I respect them, but they have a long way to go. You know, long, both of the fighters have a long way to go to, mm-hmm. to really reach to what I would say is a significant level of technique. But they're not bad. You know, they're, they're okay. Yeah. But um but that was that was that was the ultimate fighter finale. The 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 the, the main the main event was good, the Dos Santos and um and Usman. That was good. And Usman, man, he's gonna fight for that title and let's see what happens. But I think uh, Dos Santos should go back to one fifty five. He's he was much better at one fifty five. Even though he had had a win recently at one seventy. But you know, when you're dealing with a guy who's technical and strong, he knows exactly what you want. You know, you're in trouble. You know, a lot of times jiu-jitsu guys say, oh, you know, size doesn't matter. Strength doesn't matter. That is not true. (laughs) Size and strength do matter. Now, they can be overcome with technique. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I believe that. But if he's stronger and you make a technical mistake, the consequences are much more severe. So it's like I don't believe in the all things being equal argument. So a lot of people say like all things being equal, the stronger guy wins. No, okay, that's not really true because you know what? No things are never equal. So you can say, oh, that guy's just as good. The other guy's just as good. Okay, but the other guy's stronger. That guy's gonna win. That doesn't work like that because. Jiu-Jitsu and, and wrestling and martial arts, is, there's so many factors. You could be good at this element of the game. That element could take him by surprise, all that. But what is true is when you make a technical mistake or he does something really good to you, if the guy is heavier than you, 
the consequences are much more severe. Mm -hmm. So if a guy outweighs you by 100 pounds and you let him pass your guard and mount you, it's not the same by any means as a, as a person who is only five pounds heavier. Yeah. You know, that weight, gravity is a thing. You know, I don't know. You know, any Bravo, gravity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I guess he does believe in gravity, just, just a flat earth. Oh, but a form of gravity. A form of gravity, yeah. yes. It's, I know. We're continuously aliens. falling, I believe. But it's yeah. all conspiracy. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, the consequence of screwing up is much more dire. Yeah. So uh, that is something you have to take into account, particularly with punching. When someone's heavier, they punch you, it hurts more. Shocking, right? Yeah, that's math right there. (laughs) So you have to understand that if you're fighting 155, but you uh, 170, but you really should be at 155, you're taking a lot more damage. Which is why Demetrius Johnson was so hesitant to go up to 135. He's like, dude, I don't want to take that damage. Sure. You know, I get, I get that. You know, I totally get that. But anyway, that's my take on the fights. They were good. If anybody gets a chance to watch the Usman um, uh, Dos Santos fight, it was, it was a very interesting fight, very technical, you know, cool fight. You can skip the Hamar Khan one and <laughs> Dos Santos, uh, Dos Santos and, and, uh, and the Tuivasa. That one you can uh, – Dos Anjos and Tuivasa. I get those guys confused. There are too many doses. Don't skip it. You want to watch bloody, bloody fights? It wasn't even that bloody. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, they need to cut their – their eyebrow. Yeah. That's when it gets real bloody. <laughs> That's a pro wrestling thing, right? Where you cut the eyebrows. Yeah, they get the, like, the, they the razor blades. They hide the razor blades, right? Yeah, cut yeah. themselves. Oh, God, that's crazy. But, um, I can't imagine doing okay, that. Okay, so let's talk about the big fight coming up, Ortega and Holloway. I cannot yeah. wait. I'm that, no, talk about a fight card that is so stacked and so amazing. And, you know, uh, uh, Ortega's uh, – this is going to be a great fight. This is going to be a great fight. You know, Ortega's jiu-jitsu versus Holloway's jiu-jitsu, Ortega's striking versus Holloway's striking. They're wrestling versus each other. I, I mean, they're really interesting, and um, I, I can't wait for this fight. And then there's, there's Shevchenko and all this stuff. This is a great fight card coming up. So what do you? what's your take on Holloway and Ortega? I really, really like Ortega. Yeah, me too. Um, I just seeing things that, that he just seems like at another level of – fight knowledge and just being able to execute. Yeah. And I just he think he's got such a fluid motion and such good power. I don't know. I don't see him I don't see him losing. Yeah. No, I, you know, I agree with you. And I agree with you. But you know, Ortega, I, I mean uh, Holloway is and I want to talk about this. You know, Holloway is a bit of a street brawler too. So he can go from being very technical to being like wild. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's kind of an advantage. You know, like just to just to have that like gnarly fight spirit, and you can see that that sometimes you know uh, um, a guy with this this you know uh, you know get it done attitude like the, the the get it done attitude you know finding punching from different angles. So so this is what I was talking about. I talked about this in, in the the other other podcast too. But you know, a lot of like combatives and structures like MMA is not street fighting; it's different. No, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of guys will switch from technical striking to just throwing bombs or back and forth often. They won't be, be just like, you know, clean Mayweather boxing. That being said, nobody thinks Mayweather will lose a, you know, if he if somebody tried to punch Mayweather on the street, he'd, he'd kill him. You know, like, they only say that because, you know, they, they watch things on the ground and like, oh, these two guys humping each other, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not real fighting because there'd be glass on the street or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, this is stupid. But anyway, but... There's so many – there are no rules to what you can do. There are no rules. I mean there are no restrictions. So 
you can you can be technical, you could be non-technical, and this happens a lot. Like sometimes MMA guys escape the ground control the wrong way, meaning they turn their back, but they get away with it because they're so fast. It's wrong. It's technically wrong, but they still work. So as a as a grappler, we have to be ready for the correct escape and the incorrect escape. Because a street guy is not going to be like, oh, I know not to turn this way because I'm going to give up my back. No, I don't know what you're going to do. What I'm going to do is control you and make sure whatever reaction you give me, I will understand the counter, whether it's good technique or bad technique, because primarily I'm focusing on controlling you, right? And, um, and, you know, you see a lot of guys, you you could play the same flow of the fight on old star hip hop in a in a in a in a you know like a altercation on the street that happened in the cage. It could, it could play it exactly the same way sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes not. Sometimes you get the you know the 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 the, the technical battle between positions. You know, I do an omoplata, you roll out, then you come up and you do a single leg. Oh, then you counter with an inverted, you know, barren bull or whatever blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, it could be like that too. But very often it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, very often it's like, okay, you're a wild man. <laughs> I have to control you. And um, and MMA keeps it real because there's no restrictions. Particularly now, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of jujitsu guys, are like, and Hicks and Gracie is one of these. He's like, I don't like watching MMA today because their jujitsu is so bad. That's true. Who cares? Like my jujitsu is good, so I'm going to beat your bad jujitsu. <laughs> you know, like uh, I I want to see how my my. Take, take technique, whether it's jiu-jitsu, whether it's wrestling, whether it's judo, is going to work against your unpredictability. And the best fighters in MMA are the ones that can deal with unpredictability. And, and that's exactly the skill you need for self-defense. The most important skill is adaptation to unpredictability. Mm-hmm. And, and there, because you don't know if he's going to come at you with a single, you don't want to double, if you don't know if he's going to try to grind his head into your eye, come over an elbow, he's going to try to grab your head and put you in a headlock. I mean, you, could, you, could see, you see everything in MMA. Now, sometimes you do get this like technical versus technical thing, but a lot of times you don't. And you don't know. You don't know what to expect. And sometimes someone like, or, like Holloway is a great example. He'll come at you very technical and then go like just throw these bombs at you. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. You were supposed <laughs> yeah. to be technical right there. <laughs> you weren't supposed to like, book, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he might throw Ortega off his game. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's athletic. He's fast. He's aggressive. He also can make these strategic decisions. Okay, I'll go brawly style a little bit, but I know the danger of it. So I can slip back into my technical mode as well. And um, it's a, you know, the thing about Holloway, at the end of the day, he finds a way to win. He finds a way to win. Yeah. And, uh, or well, I don't know. I, 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 still, I still will give you Ortega. I will give you Ortega. I, I, I will take a bet. I'll, I'll, bet, I'll bet on Holloway. But I, I don't think he's going to win. I think Ortega's going to win. And I'm rooting for Ortega. I am totally rooting for Ortega, like 100%. But, because uh, I love the kid. But, uh, um, I absolutely, I just love. He's like, if I were gonna say I'm a fan, you know, be him, him and and Khabib, but yeah. but and DJ, right? But um, but putting that aside, I'll, I'll take I'll take Holloway and you take Ortega, and we'll have a little bet. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I, I don't think be, either way it's be an interesting fight. I think ah. I'm gonna win this one. Oh yeah, I totally will. I'm probably not because I, I I'm jinxing this guy now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Ortega. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a there's a guy at my academy, and we all know if he bets on someone, we know that person's gonna lose. Oh no! It's like he's like you know zero and fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I don't think I don't I don't feel like there's a chance that I'm gonna be wrong on this one. 
And you agree. You're just, you're just giving me the yeah. pity. Yeah. You're giving me the pity vote. No, you know, but I, I, what I'm rooting for is, is, a, is, a, is a match. And I would say for all the listeners out there, really see how Ortega deals with Holloway's unpredictability. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting, you know, good fighter. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I think Ortega's gonna win. Do you think it's gonna go? No, I think it'll be finished. Yeah, I think he's gonna finish. Yeah, but you never know. You never know. Submission. Yeah. You know what? If it's gonna submission, I think he's gonna have to be almost like a TKO first. Yeah. You know, like he's gonna have to hit him. He's gonna have to hit him, rock him, and then submit him. Yeah. You know, anything like that. I don't. I, it'll be yeah, hard to just lock it in. But you never know. I mean, Ortega's really good. But it's not like Max Holloway doesn't know, you know, anything. Yeah. They're both good fighters. But Holloway has the he, – he could surprise him still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he, I think Vegas has uh, has Ortega as the – As the favorite. That's a favorite. Really? Interesting. I, so. I would have thought it would be the other way around. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, Holloway's like – it's a little bit longer of a career maybe? Anyway, I don't know. Um, and Shevchenko and Jujurczyk. Who do you got? I think we talked about this before. I think we did, yeah. yeah. I think I'm still going. Joanna. Yeah, yeah. I'll take Shevchenko on this one. Are you picking, giving me the pities all over the place? No, you know, but you know, we talked about the last podcast. Shevchenko actually beat her in a Muay Thai fight once. So, you know, it's it's tight. I think Joanna's got something to prove. Oh, totally. And she's she's smart. Yeah. And she's went back and she's worked on lots of stuff. She is. She's going to be different this time. Not that she was bad before, but she's going to be, she's going to evolve. Yeah. And I think that uh, Rose is in trouble when she comes back up there too. Oh yeah, uh, you know it's like each these guys are the the, the girls. I'm saying, sorry, but they're they're all everybody at that level. They're all good. They're all mm-hmm. really good. Shevchenko's sister just fought last night, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was all right. She had a long way to go to. She to like Invicta. Or? No, no, at the UFC. Oh yeah, she made her UFC debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. a long way to go, but she's doing fine. Um, um. But uh, okay, so that's it. That's 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 um, that's really really great fight. This Saturday, yeah, Toronto. Yeah. We we're driving up, right? <laughs> I got <laughs> tickets for us. You're not ready to go. No. I'll pass. Although Toronto's a great city, you know, my wife used to live there. It's a great yeah? city. Yeah, yeah. I've been there it's, when it's... I was a kid. We when we lived in Rochester. It's you know an hour oh, across far, the yeah. bridge. Yeah. So well, maybe two hours. This is a, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because Toronto has a, a great martial culture, too. It's a, a city with a lot of really great martial artists. Yeah. I, I have a friend who, who has a martial arts school up there, Dominic, and he's uh, fantastic. And uh, they have good, yeah, good, lots of good jiu-jitsu, lots of good, uh, a lot of good martial arts. It's an interesting martial art town, you know? We got the good TJ Fridays up there. <laughs> I remember we went there. We went to TJ Fridays. <laughs> it's so weird. My family is weird. <laughs> we go places and we're like, let's go to a chain. Let's go to Applebee's. That's a very American my thing. First, my first day in New York City, my boss uh, said that we're going to take, take me out to lunch to like, celebrate my first day of work. And he said, uh, we're going to TJ Fridays. Are you serious? I'm in New York City. There's like, got to be something better than TJ Fridays around you know, here. You know what it is? It's um, a lot of people take comfort in, yeah. in predictability. Yeah. You know, uh, it was that, a good burger. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, it's uh, predictability and, and, and uh, is something that we, as a lot of humans, crave. You know, that you just – more people are interested in their, you know, waking up, doing their job, paying their taxes, going to bed, going to, taking care of the kids, going to – like just doing that life of predictability mm-hmm. than fighting in the octagon, you know. Um, 
you, you know, and I guess that's the way it is, you know, or some people just um, they don't want to be as adventurous as other people, you know, like uh, I, uh, I, I guess it's a it, it's something that I don't want to live my life that way. But I also do in some other elements of my life do appreciate that predictability. But, oh, yeah. But I will never go to TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! You've never been the TGI. No, I, I have okay. been, but I will never go again. I think the last time was like 15 years ago. Oh, it's on me. There's I, one around the corner. There, there's actually. I used to be. There's one in Penn Station that uh, that. Uh, um, so oh, yeah. I would be waiting for the train in Penn Station, and they would be there. Um, I still Dunkin' Donuts is my go-to for coffee because I know I'm going to get a good cup of coffee. Or I just Dunkin' now. I don't actually like coffee, yeah. so it's not a big deal for me. But uh, everybody says that Dunkin' Donuts coffee is like better than Starbucks. Your tea. Tea man? Yeah, you know, I'll drink coffee when I'm sleepy. Yeah. But yeah, I like tea. I prefer tea. But I'll drink coffee and I don't care about the taste. Yeah. Because I hate it. Where, wherever it is, coffee, I just don't like it. I make the really strongest coffee. Yeah. Like put 12 cool. scoops into a container. Or wow, that's very strong. Yeah, I'm a caffeine junkie. I used to have like three Monster Energy drinks a day. Wow. I you got know, the a guy uh, just developed um, incredibly serious health problems from yeah. drinking too many energy drinks. Yeah, and my wife told me I can't drink them anymore. I agree with it. That's fine. I got the uh, the pre workout stuff once, and I would I didn't go work out after I took it. <laughs> I would just have it before work and be like, "All right, I'm ready to work." So I uh, and then they came out with that powdered caffeine that literally was just caffeine, yeah, which is just it's just dangerous. cocaine at that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. right? It's just cocaine, and uh, I couldn't find a way to get it. Like you, you, you can overdose on caffeine really easily, especially at those really, quantities. No, it, 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 you know, Jilson, Jilson, uh, you know, spoke about this once, and he said a lot of people are very anti-steroid. But they'll also put a lot of other very unnatural and unhealthy things in their body. Mm-hmm. And there's this division between, like, steroids and then – but, you know, putting, like, tons and tons and tons of caffeine in your body mm-hmm. uh, uh, with caffeinated powder is definitely not a good thing. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> so, know. you know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, my caffeine's running out. Then you go get another cup of coffee. Yeah. But it was good. Okay, so we'll we'll reconnect on um Yes. After the I'm sure you'll be texting me at, at one o'clock in the morning to yeah. get your knuckles ready to punch me. Oh right, because we're doing the shoulder punch, right? Yes. Punching, yeah. That's right. Okay. So thanks for listening. I'm already upset. I'm already upset I'm gonna lose. <laughs> I just I, I have this loser mentality now. Don't have the loser mentality. You have to be a fighter. You have to have to cut I'm not a fighter. I'm just a guy that watches it. I need to, we're I all need fighters, to learn. Matt. We're all fighters. We're all fighting something. We're all right? fighting something. Oh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you in seven days to talk about. What are you doing? I'm practicing my knuckle. Oh, knuckle. good lord! <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore Culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.